Hey, this is Ashley and Colin from the band Tulip, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. How are your nerves? Did you get that thing out? Or are you still holding on to it? I'm waiting. It's not, It just hit Spotify now. And oh, really? Yeah, but I don't have Spotify, so I got to find a way to get the links to the song and and all that stuff. I can get it to you later if you want. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I'm sure I can get it. I just, I used, um, so the people that make Pro Tools just started um, a thing called Avid Play. Mm-hmm. And it costs four ninety nine a year to get your songs to every streaming service. And you get to keep 100% of everything. So it's $499? No, $4.99. Oh, really? And you get 100% of your royalties. They're one of the few services that give you 100%. But they don't give you the link to the song. So I'll call them today to see if there's a way. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. Right. Um, but uh, it was so easy to, to do. Like, basically, you just upload a 4,000 by 4,000 pixel image, mm-hmm. throw it on, put up your 16-bit 44.1 WAV file, uh, pay, put in your metadata, and off you go. It took me five minutes. Oh, that's not bad at all. That's beautiful. Yeah, imagine. Remember the days when distribution used to involve trucks and fucking glass masters. Yeah, now the, like, the, the good old days. Five and and even then, that only got it to my house. Right, didn't get anywhere else. And somebody else had to buy it in order to hear it. You know, now now it's there, and they just either listen free and it's ad supported or. Or whatever. It's pretty exciting, though. I mean, I, I've watched it. I've listened to it a bunch of times. The song is catchy. The video. I think my my favorite part of the video is the uh, the left, right, left with those screens, and then right after that, those uh, the Chinese marching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're I, right in time. It's perfect. Yeah, that took a long time to get that in time, man. Holy shit, that took uh, that took a while. But um. I'm really proud of it, man. It's um, the feedback I've got so far. I've showed about five people, mm-hmm. and um, everyone has said the same thing. Really, just wow, right? And uh, they think it's the best thing I've ever done. I'm, That's beautiful. I'm, I'm very concerned, though. You know, it. It. Uh, I'm pretty concerned about it. Well, I, let's I put just. To... I mean, you have Skype in Vancouver. If you get deported, right? We could still do this. Well, it doesn't not, affect the show at all. No, it's not just it's not just about the about getting deported. Although, you know, I, I had to talk to my wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> but she said, "You know what? You have to do it because it's a social statement that you have to make." And and art is like I told you last night. Art's meant to make people think. So, like I was just writing music. I was never even gonna put it out. I wasn't gonna let anyone hear it. Right. So, I mean, Which, in the end, I guess, is what we're doing here too, right? Because we're not. We're not millionaires or driving Maseratis or making any money off this thing, so. No, it's just fun. We're just keeping our five listeners uh, informed of what's going on. Yeah, with Urethra In sounding. the sexual deviancy world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dremel dildos. Anyways. What, are, <laughs> Did I just what have you that? been listening to this oh, week? Oh, God, I, I should not no. have said that. I'm going to erase that before I send it to you. <laughs> uh, the Dremel dildos? I'm not I'm not going there. Is there a story? There is. Oh, you got to go to the story now. But it's not a Dremel. I don't know what it is. I think it's called like a Sawzall or something. Anyways, I had a friend of mine. Here we go. (laughs) And (laughs) this is terrible. He met this girl and, uh, you know, this friend of mine, let's just say that every time he's had a girlfriend, he's also had 10 at the same right. time. He, and he's always been that way. He'll never change. He just loves having sex with lots of women. Right. So he met this girl, and and the next day he comes over. He's like, dude, I know I'm freaky, but last night was really fucking freaky, man. <laughs> I, was oh, like, no. <laughs> I was like, what happened, dude? He's like, well... I met this girl on this porn site, you know, and we were talking about all this dirty stuff or whatever. And I was just like, you met a girl on a porn site? First of all, that was my first reaction. Right. You know, it's going bad right then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And he's like, she has this dildo, but it's made with a Sawzall. And I was like, what the fuck is a Sawzall? And it's like one of those things. That I know knows. what that is for sure. Yeah. So she modified it and put a dildo on it and made him use it on her. And I, nice. was, I was just like, dude, you could have fucking killed her. He's like, I know it was really fucking scary. And I was like, holy fuck, dude. It, most people would be like, you know what? This is a little fucked up. I'm going to walk away from this. But he right. was just like, well, I'm going to try it once. <laughs> Got a story to tell now. That's beautiful. That's a, uh, yeah. For anyone that's listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's not much worse than all the other crap we've talked about on here. So, no, no. Lesson to lesson to self though. Don't go to porn sites looking for women. Yeah, that's that's odd in itself. Yeah. What have you been listening to this week? Uh fuck. I just listened I know to your the, stuff, but besides yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, lis- I just listened to the tulip stuff. That was fucking great. I like it. Right? It's good and groovy. It's kind of like. Um, I don't want to say they sound like Epica, but it's got that same symphonic yeah, metal yeah. vibe. Yeah, it's got a good groove to it, I think. Yeah, it's really good. And their marketing machine is quite good, too, I noticed. like mm-hmm. They really play it up quite well. Yeah, I, I dig them a lot. Yeah, and um, I, I, I'm interested to see, though, who does their orchestration. Like, Is it a band member? Do they hire someone else from outside to do it? And... Obviously, with them, they're probably not using a real orchestra because, I mean, bands can't afford that. I don't even think Epica can afford a real orchestra when they're right. tracking, right? So, like, right. for those of you that don't know, I, I only know about Canada, so it's probably more expensive in the U.S. But if you hire a session musician that for orchestral arrangements, you have to pay union scale, and it's $150 an hour with a minimum call of three hours yeah so you're looking at big money that's per person so oh yeah an orchestral session like a film orchestral session can run upwards of like for a small three-hour session can hit you up around twenty thousand dollars nice so yeah it's it's intense that's crazy i've been listening to the devil wears prada I think I may have sent you something a couple weeks ago. The album dropped last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy fuck, dude! It's a good. If you record. get a chance, go check it out. It's so good. I did listen to it. The, it, it was kind of strange for me. I wasn't expecting that from you because they're more like emo kind of. Uh, I don't know what they are. See, I saw them. I mean, I've been a fan of them for years. I saw them back on the Monsters of Mayhem tour. I think it was with Slayer and King Diamond and whatever a couple years ago, and they were so good live. Great. Yeah. And they're heavy, I think. Yeah. You listen to the new record because it goes everywhere. It's got a little bit of the emo stuff in it. This one's got some choir stuff in it, some shit. But then it's, you know, he's crazy heavy too. But I like it because it's like off time and down tuned and, yeah, and different. Yeah. It is very different. I agree. It's not a formula. Which is nice. Yeah, I like it. And I, I, I mean, I get it. It's not for everybody. But I totally, uh, I'm digging it this week anyway. Yeah. And what else have I been listening to this week? Well, Death Angel, that's always on the playlist. Those you hear the are... new Machine Head song that I he released? I haven't, no. And all that controversy be him, between him and Dope? No, what happened? Apparently, he released that song. It's called Do or Die. I think it's called Do or Die, Motherfucker. Yeah. And throughout the lyrics, he's just kind of... And I'm a huge Machine Head fan, probably one of my favorite bands, but... I guess apparently in there he's just like spouting off about how he influ- there's not a metal band in the world that he hasn't influenced and oh. I don't know he just starts <laughs> and then they, they got to a squabbling match about stuff with the dudes from Dope and they were sending videos back and forth on YouTube and finally <laughs> yesterday they had some sort of like olive branch passing or something now they're they're back to normal but I, I love Machine Head and I've already got to put in that we're uh, the next the first time they do press Amy over at uh. Adams with a PR is supposed to be hooking us up because that'll be like my uh, my goal there. But nice. I think sort of a loose cannon at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's which uh, may add to his art as well. I don't know, but I mean, if you ever get to see a Machine Head live, dude, it's like a religious experience. It's so good. I'll have to check it out. I'm, they I, do this thing. I, I I've heard of them, but I've never. I don't know them. They do this thing for like the last I don't know five six years where they just do an evening with Machine Head and they go out and play three hours straight 
no opening act, just them, and they just play. No intermission. They just fucking play, and it's so great. I know they're going to be in Baltimore, I think, on this run coming up. You know what? I saw them, and they were fucking killer. Yeah, where'd you see them? I saw them in 95. Oh, great, right? It was amazing, and I saw them in a club that held like 250 people max, and it wasn't full. Wow. And and it was in Vancouver, and I remember it now. I was like, fuck, why do I know that name? But man, they were so good. I've seen them a number of times over the years, and boy, that's they're just so fucking great. I've never been let down. Let's see. He may be a loose cannon, but he puts in like 130% to his shows. Hello. Hey, Chris, you there? I'm here. We've got Colin and Ashley from Tulip. Hey, guys. guys Hey. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fucking fantastic. Thank you. Doing well here. Chris, you got good levels? (laughs) Yeah, I got everything I need, man. Awesome. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Yeah, we're doing well. Can you hear us well? I can hear you great. Yeah. Great. Perfect. Sweet. So if you don't mind, we'll just go ahead and jump in. And I think the uh, the best way to start this is, can you guys give us a two-sentence elevator pitch of Tulip? Ooh. <laughs> Two-sentence. Sure. Yeah, you, you can do it. Sure. Yeah. So Tulip is a symphonic metal band, and we, uh, we're from Texas, and uh, we love bouncy groovy polyrhythms so <laughs> put all those things together Beautiful. That's us. nice it's funny you mentioned the word groovy because we and chris were talking when we first got on here that's the first thing uh i fell in love with when i put you guys on is it's definitely got a beautiful groove to it thank you thank you yeah that was very important for me yeah i agree i love it yeah me too as soon as i heard it i was like i don't think there's any band in the u.s doing this kind of thing right now yeah. Well, I think I think it's just us. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of bands like Epica or Semblant or whatever. But you know, you guys have your own kind of take on it. Where mm-hmm. who who does your orchestration for you? Sorry, you cut out there. Who oh, does our writing or the orchestration? Orchestration. Colin does. Yeah, I do everything with sample libraries. Uh, so I use primarily the East West. Symphonic Orchestra. Cool, uh, great library. sounding libraries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, very realistic. I've actually I've tried some others, and this one seems to be the best, at least for the the way that we kind of approach it. But, yeah, yeah. I, I have I have LA scoring strings, which is quite good, but I don't huh. know if it fit really into the into the rock band sense. You know, it's it's pretty woody sounding. I guess is the best way I could say it. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, the East West stuff, they've got a couple different options. Um the the more contemporary one is the Hollywood um uh symphonic orchestra and it's yeah. it's a little more upfront sounding and, and believe it or not, like in my taste, I guess, I felt that that was it still felt a bit too like dry. Yeah. So it feels better to me to have the orchestra sound a little bit more um I guess uh ambient even though that wouldn't make that doesn't seem intuitive for metal. It, it helps at least the way that our songs are written mm-hmm. to have it kind of behind the music. A oh, bit, they, you know? right. It fits in perfectly. So, cool. so did you take orchestration in school or how did you get into doing this kind of thing? No, um, I'm mostly self-taught in that respect. I mean, I, I grew up playing guitar and I did take lessons as a kid. So I did some rudiments theory, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so mostly just from playing guitar and and to be honest it took a couple of years before i got good at it i mean i started um, making symphonic metal probably about 10 years ago now and and just experimenting and it took a while to learn how to to work with different registers and how to um you know which instruments worked well for different parts and i'm sure i'm not doing it entirely correctly but (laughs) it it does it it works at least for what we're doing you yeah, I mean, if it works, me. that's it. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the band for a second. You guys chose to release a cover of "Pray for Me" by Kendrick Lamar. How did that come about? Because that's sort of unusual for, I would think, a, a metal band. Yeah, I'm a. When Colin was like, I'm I don't have a metal background, so I was an opera singer for ten years, and then 
um, when we got together, we started making music together. He kind of sold me on um, Gent metal because I was a hip hop fan. So mm -hmm. that's sort of how he like kind of sold me on the project, and which is why you can feel all the groove in our music. And because on stage, when you when you guys see us live, like I I do a lot of dancing, a lot of movement, and we all do. We're all very active on stage, and um, so we both. Colin liked the song more than I did, I think, but I, you know, you hear it on the radio all the time and I love Kendrick Lamar. And, uh, then he just started kind of playing a version of it instrumentally that sounded different and unique to me. And then I was like, yeah, this is actually going to work really well. So that's pretty much how it came about. We, 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 we hear things all the time that we want to try and make metal covers of. So right. we actually have a hilariously large catalog that we haven't put out <laughs> that we just kind of play around with for fun. We have like Robin songs and, you know, just because we want to, we want to try it sometimes, you know, that's pretty sometimes awesome. It works. Yeah. Yeah. So have you become a more of a metalhead as you've been involved in this? Or are you still s just part of it and, you know, listening to other things outside of? No, or I've be I've become a complete, I'd say I'm like such a metalhead now. Like when I, <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I've said this before in other interviews, but like this community is full of the most interesting, wonderful, amazing people that I had I had no idea. And when we just finished our tour with Evergrey, those guys are like the most phenomenal musicians. The guys that we, that we toured with, with, um, as well from shattered sun were like the best people. Marcos so, is a really cool guy. Oh yeah. Marcos is the best. Yeah. Had, like just the most amazing time with all of them. And, uh, so yeah, now we like, I really, because I come from like a classical background, I like to, I want to learn everything. So I've become like really obsessed. Like lately I've been really into, how do you say, is it behemoth or is it? Yeah. Beth, That's the way it? I would go with. Yeah. Okay. So I really love them. And then like, we're, I'm super getting into Gojira and Aye, yeah. you know, he <laughs> Colin got me into Meshuggah because of all of their polyrhythms and so I, I I think I'm become like a real student of it, and I really I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that just to add to that, the special thing about metal is that it is so eclectic. You know, it, it's it's a subgenre of music, but it's it's almost an entire yeah world unto itself, where you can you can have everything from you know like brutal just deathcore all the way to the more ethereal you know symphonic stuff and anything in between. So it gives you. There's a lot of options there in terms of, of finding something that suits your taste, even if you mm -hmm. don't have, uh, you know, a background with, with metal. So, yeah, yeah. We've, we've had a lot of fun with it over the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I'm still learning a lot, but um, we've also been going to a lot of shows so that yeah. we, I can kind of see, observe what happens there. And so, yeah, we've seen some we've seen some really great touring acts. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. I, I um, I'm, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. I was not a metalhead until about 2011. And mm -hmm. part of the reason I'm doing this show is so I can learn more about what's out there. Right. You know, Bruce is a diehard metalhead. He's been doing it forever. But for me, you know, some friends of mine started a, a cruise, cruise like 70,000 tons of metal. Right. So okay. I went on the first year just to support them and be like, hey, man. And then yeah. next, next thing I know, I'm standing in front of the stage watching Epica rip my face off. Right. And then having beers with them afterwards. And I'm just like, okay, I'm a metalhead. Yeah. I don't know what happened. But it's like you said, you know, the community yeah. is just so. It's so great. It's, it's when people think of metal, oftentimes they think of so much violence and, and whatever. Oh, yeah, no. But when you're there, it's just, it's like big family, you know, like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've met, I met Bruce on that cruise uh, in 2011 and we've been friends ever since, you know, it's been, yeah. it's been an unbelievable experience. Um, I have to ask you something. This is kind of strange. Are you Canadian? We we are Canadian. Yeah, we yeah. we're Texans now. We just we moved to Texas about two years ago, but we grew up in Canada. Yeah. Ah, okay. I can hear it in your voice. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. man, it sounds like this weird hybrid of Texas and Canada. This is really strange. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We're Ashley's getting better at saying y'all, but y'all still. A lot of the Canadianisms come through. Yeah, my my out and about around the house. <laughs> I I just moved to the U.S. too about two years ago from Vancouver, so that's oh, why, okay. That's why I asked. I was like, man, they sound like there's mm -hmm. certain words you're saying. I'm like, that's totally Canadian, man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. But um, Bruce has been disconnected here. 
Oh, no. Uh, he said he will come back in. Just let me see where he is. Okay, cool. Um, he's, he's having internet issues at his house today, mm. which is never fun. No. But, um, so Chris, where do you live now in the U.S.? I live in D.C. Mm. Well, well North change. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, my wife, do you was, know? my wife was transferred down here. Mm. And um, I own an audio software company. I make virtual instruments. So oh, I can work wherever I want. Right. So, yeah. Jeez, you make virtual instruments. Well, like what? Like what? Can I, can I buy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I make, I make drum libraries right now. Mm-hmm. So I partnered with a company from California called Platinum Samples. Okay. I don't know if you know them or not. They did like the evil Joe Barisi drum libraries and Andy Johns and all kinds of stuff. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been a professional recording engineer for over 20 years. So, um, yeah, the studio I was working at was closing down. Hey, Bruce, you're back. And, uh, Man. <laughs> hey, welcome back, brother. Uh, this is the second time this week the internet connection just absolutely sucks. You just mm. missed the best part. They're Canadian. Yeah, I heard all that. I heard all about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's here's a question though how did you adapt to fahrenheit and miles because oh, that geez. shit's fucking me up yeah <laughs> we didn't we still say it's we still say it's 40 degrees when it's hot yeah, yeah. and people are like what yeah yeah i know <laughs> yeah we have that conversation on this show quite often yeah and mm-hmm. they like gojira so they're already uh, uh, in my good books. Right. So guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Metalhead from way back, I don't get Gojira. They don't resonate with me at all. And that's because... Oh, Once yeah. And I don't know show, why. You'll change your fucking mind. That's so funny. <laughs> you know what? Like, the thing about Gojira, they, they, they didn't resonate with me at first either. But when I listen to them, what I, the way I explain it is they're very, they're very grown-up writers. Like, their riffs are just correct in my mind like when we listen to that the latest album magma like every song they're, they're not they're simple riffs but they're just like correct and that's <laughs> why like i didn't grow up listening to metallica surprisingly but they're kind of like my metallica now you know like when i want to gotcha. listen to something that's like straight ahead metal just right. guitar riffs and drums like gojira does that for me plus their their live show is ridiculous so that's, that's what chris keeps telling me their live show will blow your fucking mind yeah so when we did, um, or sorry, I won't say that. I can't say that out loud. When they opened for Metallica, um, I was at BC Play Stadium in Vancouver, 60 fucking thousand people. Mm-hmm. And Gojira was the only band I've ever seen in a venue of that size where they sounded the same as they did in a club. Right. Like there was. Yeah, I could see that. It was unbelievable. I was just, the whole place was just like, nobody knew who they were. <laughs> which was I know. Fun, which was funny, but everyone left that show, and they—I think they sold a lot of merch that show because yeah, for sure. people were just like, "Holy shit!" Like, mm-hmm. to be honest, they blew. Who was the band that came after them? Ah, oh, God, I Volbeat. Yeah, Volbeat. Volbeat. They, blew, they blew Volbeat off the stage. They blew Metallica off the stage. Yeah. In terms, in terms of sound, you right, know, yeah. not the stage show because they were first on, and it was like still sunny out. Oh. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could nerd out at an engineering level on how they achieved that, but I know like they, they definitely use the EVH amps and they, they have like ISO cabs off stage and the whole thing. So they, they managed to get it like really tight sounding, but anyway. Right. And, and I think that their, their live sound engineer is also their recording engineer. Oh, yeah, that would sense. be smart. Yeah. Anyways, let's get back to of... Tulip. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. get back to Tulip. So when you guys write, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if you've listened to this podcast, but we, uh, we go down rabbit holes quite quite often and we're all over the place, but eventually we get back to what we're here for. Hey Bruce. (laughs) Yes. Turn off your video. Okay. Why? Might free up some bandwidth. There we go. Yeah. Save some bandwidth, brother. Uh, is that better? Seems to be. Yeah. But now you can't get to see me. I know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Life is better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway what i was saying is now that uh i mean when you guys are writing are you guys all writing together or is it more the efforts of one particular member of the band and then they just bring it to the rest so we're a couple we're married okay and so we write everything 
together, just the two of us. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And the guys are pretty much just come in for the live shows, I'd say. And then for some other recording, we're going to have our drummer live track and our guitarist do some solos. Yeah. Right. And on the Canadian angle, like they're, uh, well, Brandon is based in Windsor, Ontario, which is mm-hmm. west of Toronto. Yeah. And then Ryan is in Toronto. So they're, it's difficult to get everybody together. Like, to be honest, we don't even rehearse when we play live. We just, everybody rehearses independently and we show up and play like they're, they're, they're great players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a problem in that That's respect. Awesome. Hard to get everybody together. So what brought you guys <laughs> down to Texas then? I'm, I'm Ugh. interested. Lots of things. I mean, for me, I, I work as a engineer in my real life, not a, an audio engineer, but a, an engineer engineer. Yeah. And so, um, you know, job related in some sense also just, you know, we loved the idea of being in Texas because of the mm-hmm. culture and because of, you know, just uh, having affordable st- property like living yeah, in toronto is based so you, yeah you know from yeah from vancouver, vancouver. Oh, i get it that's that's the main reason <laughs> we came to yep so yeah we love it down we love it we love the heat we do not complain at all i would love I'm to with have you. that heat Bring the all heat. year round right now it's yeah. fucking cold here it's pissing yeah. me off <laughs> when you guys are writing are you writing the song for like how it's going to come across on stage in a live setting or are you writing a song for the song's sake and then you have to adapt it to the live setting. I think usually the way that I approach writing so our 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 process is kind of I write the instrumentals, Ashley writes the lyrics and melodies on top of that and there isn't a ton of collaboration in that respect although we certainly like give each other feedback. Um but for me, we usually start with um an overarching theme or idea for an album. So in mm-hmm. this case, we've got a full length coming out um, hopefully with, within the next couple of months, which we can talk about, but, uh, it's called high strangeness <laughs> and it, it deals with some ideas thematically that we wrote the songs to kind of fit at least in their spirit, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the theme. So, yeah. so yeah, the songs. And, and I also, I grew up playing, you know, video game, like console games, you know, mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog and that kind of stuff. And I've always <laughs> right. liked the idea of levels, you know, like levels have different sounds. There's like a, like a, a space level. And then there's like an underground level and there's mm-hmm. a water. level. So our writing as silly as that sounds sort of is reflective of approaching things in a thematic sense like that. And then Ashley's lyrics, um, you know, tag team on that and kind of, she deals with those themes lyrically. So, um, yeah, most of the stuff comes out as instrumentals. First, I, I, I often write the instrumentals in MIDI which uh, Chris, you'll be familiar with just oh, yeah. like it's, they sound like retro video game mm-hmm. <laughs> songs. And then we turn them into fully, um, you know, realized, realized mm-hmm. orchestrations and, and metal mixes. Yeah. So with that, with that being said, then is there a message you want your fans to walk away with after listening to a tulip record? Oh my gosh. Well, the first, the EP was like about our exodus from um, Christianity. So we left evangelicalism we were kicked out actually. Um, so that's what a tulip is an acronym actually from the Calvinist tradition, um, fundamentalist Christianity. So we, uh, have kind of turned it on its head and mm-hmm. are, that's what the first, the first EP that you guys have heard is thematically about. Um, and then the next one, the high strangeness is going to be about all kinds of different ideas, you know, that we're exploring now that we're not part of that community, but so not necessarily religious. No, so I don't think we're get, we're getting into anything religious in this album. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about it in more yeah. detail. Basically, the album is dealt with or, or split up into three separate parts. The first section is um, above, and then it's below, and then it's within. And those sections sort of represent the relationship between you know the paranormal and the supernatural, and you know this sort of subconscious all wrapped into one human experience, and how as people of, you know, I guess used to be of faith, or at least in the type, the, the type of faith that said that we had it all figured out. Now we're, we're investigating all of it in a more general sense. Yeah. And right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. So what was it like, you know, moving to Texas? Cause Texas has a fairly high, like evangelical population. Does it not? It does. But you know, the thing, the thing that's, I think like, uh, people don't realize about Texas is that it, they put freedom first and they, and kind of like 
you do you and I do me is their number one priority. So yes, there are lots of people who are very evangelical there, but mostly they leave you alone. Oh, cool. So yeah. Yeah. And being so close to Dallas is actually like quite metropolitan in its feel and it's very progressive. And um, also we live um, close to Denton, which is kind of like a mini Austin, lots of music up there at UNT. And so you'd be very surprised. Like people are, are, it's not country bumpkins. It's like really sophisticated, educated, cool people. It's, nice. it's more, li- it's more libertarian, right? It's, yeah. it's yeah. less conservative than it is uh, libertarian. You so. go into like the real sticks, then yeah, you're going to get some, it's going to be real. <laughs> it's going to be really red, but for yeah. the most part, it's people are just focused on like, you leave me alone and leave me and I'll leave you alone. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Nice. I, I can't go yeah. anywhere around here. Every time I leave the house, someone's <laughs> asking me to join their church. Oh no. And I'm like, yeah, DC is, is interesting that way. I lived, do you know where Rappahannock County is? No. Okay. It's like kind of the, it's an hour, um, South, I think of DC and it's where everybody has all the politicians have their like big country homes. Okay. And I, I did an, I did an opera there. So I lived there for three months and there are tons of Christians. You're right. There's so many churches and people are yeah, it's real. It's, it's I'm in Richmond, which is right in that general area, and yeah, right. you're 100 percent right. Yeah, I so, mean, I don't know God's territory. I, I, God, yeah, yeah. People can do whatever they want. I just don't want it pushed on me, really. You know? Yeah. I'm, yeah, of course. I, there's always something out there for people, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not big into the whole like. Have you found a church yet? Well, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's one down the street if I want to go. <laughs> right. Know? right. Yeah. I can find one easily. Yeah. Right. yeah. Or people showing up at my door. But mm-hmm. I did have a really cool experience with that. And this goes back to Gojira. And I've told this story on the show before. <laughs> but I'm walking down the street and I'm wearing a Gojira shirt. I'm like decked out in black. And I'm walking my dog, and there's some Jehovah's Witnesses walking down the street, and they're handing out pamphlets and knocking on doors. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know? (laughs) Here we go. I'm wearing the devil's shirt. What's going to happen? And the guys walk by. He's like, I love that band. That's my favorite band. (laughs) I was just like, oh. I was like, fuck, is this an in to try and get me a pamphlet? Right. And I was like, yeah, they're great. They're really nice guys, too. Oh, have you met them? Yeah, yeah, I interviewed them. Oh, that's awesome. Metal. <laughs> and he just walked away. And I was oh just like, gosh. fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, I'll, 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 you know, that moment taught me right there that I should stop being so judgmental of people, mm-hmm. you know, and just mm-hmm. kind of yeah, take them it, at it what go- they are. It goes both directions, right? There are some, yes. some Christians and religious people who are hyper judgmental and very binary in their thinking. There are others, like, for example, my parents and my, my uh, sister and her brother, or her, her brother, husband. my brother-in-law, yeah. her husband, they're, they're very understanding of, you know, our position in, in all of this. And it's not a blanket statement at all to suggest that, you know, the, the church is categorically bad or Christians are, are idiots or anything like that. It's just that in our experience, there are certain sects <laughs> that certainly yes. fall into that category, but uh, yeah, you can you can find some some good people in spite of that on on both sides. Would Absolutely. This, would this be a too personal question to ask? What got you kicked out of your church? Oh no, it's not too personal. Um, we wanted to get divorced and be together, so that's why we got married really young to other people. Like Colin was twenty and I was twenty two, and. Mm-hmm. Um, then we met later in life and we didn't want to be married to those people anymore. So we asked the church if we could get divorced and they said no. So, Oh, we, so then they kicked us out. Pretty they, much. Ex-communic- they excommunicated us. Yeah. So you said, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. We said, sorry. Pretty and much. Then that was it. And now we're together and it's a crazy life, but yeah. Life leads down crazy paths all the time. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to steer it back to Tulip for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Again, we're off on a tangent. Do you, uh, are you guys planning on taking this on the road at all? Yeah. So we just um, announced yesterday we're going on tour in Europe with Taria, Tarja, Taria mm-hmm. from Nightwish. So nice. uh, she's now does her own thing. Yeah. So we're yeah. going out there in April um, for three weeks or so to support her. Nice. And 
yeah, we just came off our first tour with Evergrande Shattered Sun. So yeah, we're we're hitting yeah. the road. There will likely be some more dates in between now and April, but uh, like in the U.S., just probably right. one-offs. Yeah, yeah, All we right. might do something with the Shattered guys um, down in Corpus, and uh, then we might yeah just play some one-off shows or festivals in the stateside. How do you find the American fans or even Canadian fans when you play live symphonic metal? What, what, what is their reaction to what you're doing? Well, I think, you know, the, the types of shows that we've played so far have been metal shows. So the people that are there are the people that are expecting, yeah. you know, to listen to that type of music. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's not unlike any metal concert. People are, are, are head banging and moving. And yeah. I think like I've, personally experienced within the symphonic space because I, I mean i've played in bands prior to this but within the symphonic space you have a, a slightly more sophisticated audience i would say and that's not to knock other types of, of metal but yeah. certainly you've got the type of people that listen to exclusively symphonic metal because you know they're maybe a bit older there's the classical angle there mm-hmm. um you know it, it it seems to in some way relate to like the gaming community too mm-hmm. seems like you've got a lot of um, overlap there yeah like tech tech type people and like i think IT because and i think because i'm singing it goes down a lot easier like a lot of my friends who came to our show in toronto who had never been set foot in a metal concert before they loved it because they i think they were expecting there to be like growls and stuff but yeah. because i'm singing it was really I think it's a good introduction for them and they yeah, like the, they liked the heaviness of it. We're actually quite heavy when we play live. I actually think that's kind of what sets you guys apart a little bit in this in this kind of genre is that there is no screaming. You right. know? Like every other symphonic metal band I've seen at some point during the the song or even in in the show there's screams. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't hear like I, I don't know if you do that or not, but I didn't hear any of it when I was checking out your music. We don't have any in the recordings. Occasionally, Brandon and I will just uh, layer with Ashley when we're playing live. And we actually, we had thought about recording some screaming for the full length. And we decided against it for that reason. Because yeah. we can always do it live for just some added intensity. Mm-hmm. It's And it's not off-putting to people in a live setting. But if, if we added it to the recording, we would probably alienate a percentage of listeners that aren't. Like, for example, Ashley's friends from high school. Mm-hmm. These are all just regular women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but they're they listen to our music. They love voluntarily. it. Voluntarily. Yeah. They love it, you know. And so it's it's to your point, it's it's a good way to keep people, you know, into it. And it's just as heavy, you know, Ashley's voice has a lot of power to it, but we don't have to go down that path um, you know, to keep to, to make it heavy, I would say. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Bruce? Bruce, are you it? there? <laughs> I think Bruce is gone again. Oh no. <laughs> His internet's going through hell. Uh, where does bruce live he lives in he lives outside richmond virginia oh right right, right. so i'm guessing like where exactly that there would yeah, be such he's like in the woods he is he's in yeah he is. In the woods. he's got chickens oh cool yeah man he's he's uh he's got chickens dogs and he lives on a i think an acreage i'm not sure i've never honestly i've never been to his house so i don't know i just know he has chickens and he lives he always says i live in the sticks Right. Yeah. So what, what virtual instrument software are you guys using for drums while we wait for Bruce to get back here? Uh, man, I, do I know a thing or two about virtual instruments? Oh, he's... So I, I have historically used addictive drums. Yeah. So addictive drums are on the EP. Um, they're programmed on the yeah. EP. Yeah. Um, and I've got a ton of my own samples that I usually blend with. I've also... I've never loved the Stephen Slate libraries except for the CLA library, yeah. the yeah. Chris Lord Algae library. So I've got that layered in and around. And then recently, I've, uh, I've at least for demoing the full length, we're going to do live drums, but I've been using the Get Good Drum uh, library, uh, which is the, um, the periphery guys. Nolly. Yeah, Nolly. So every, I mean, I've tried most things, but those are the ones that seem to be most useful to me. I stay, I steer clear of superior. Like everybody uses superior, but that's exactly why I try not to use superior and just yeah. go with something different. I right? think the superior drummer interface is probably like the best of the, of like for user, like ease, ease of use. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But every library they put out sounds exactly the same. So Yeah. And for me, because I write everything in MIDI, like in real MIDI in a scoring program, there isn't a need for me to really work with the interface, save for loading the samples in. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's more about just getting samples that sound as real as possible. I mean, it's usually boils down to symbols in that respect. Like the symbols, that's why I love addictive. For some reason, the, the addictive symbols feel the most natural to me. Cool. And they don't, they don't have like a real tight decay on them somehow that I notice with other sample libraries. Yeah. But anyway, that's, yeah. Well, you know why they do that is to try and save space. So, yeah. Cause symbols, like, I mean, my God, <laughs> they, they, yeah, sure. know, <laughs> like in, in our first library, uh, if you load up one of our rides, it's like 3.2 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, yeah. So I have to check it out. I, I, I was not familiar with your uh, your company before our chat today, so I'll, 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 I'll send you a link. I'm not trying to promote it or anything. I'm always just curious about what. No, people... I mean I'm always I'm looking for new options all the time. So yeah, the cool thing about us, which you probably wouldn't use, is that we you can actually host VST and audio unit plugins right inside the the interface. Okay. So, so you don't have to split them out into separate tracks when you're mixing. Okay. It's cool. su- super fast. It's much easier. Do you have a, a Pro Tools AAX version of the plugin? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. That's all. Yeah, I, so that's all I use is Pro Tools. Good. Yeah. I mean, we test every DAW, but I can't work in any other DAW. Yeah, me neither. It drives me, me crazy. <laughs> this is. I know. This is getting yeah, way even... too technical while we wait for Bruce, but. Like, I don't know why they call it logic. It's illogic. It makes no sense. Yeah, I know. I, I don't, I'm with you on that. And I don't know if it's if it's just a product of having, like, used Pro Tools first. But, it, it, you know, and historically, I don't think it was as good because, I, I mean, I've been on Pro Tools since, like, I don't know, Pro Tools 6 or something. And there was so much, there, like, there was no delay compensation yeah. unless you have to. And then there was also... All, you could only do real-time bouncing and real-time coughing and stuff, but they fixed all that now. So it's like now I can off I can offline commit tracks. I can everything's like you know delay compensated. So now the problems that were there initially don't apply. And the, to me, the workflow and the intuitive nature of the interface is because it feels more like a board, right? Yeah, it's just it's simple. Then what? Why wouldn't you use Pro Tools at this point? It's a, and now it's subscription too, so it's like it's not even terribly expensive like it used to be to to own it. But no, anyway, I agree. I, I I um I've been running Pro Tools since five five point one. So, like, I bought it with the Digi Double O One. Like, God, I don't even know. Ninety nine, maybe it was, mm. and um. And I've been using it ever since. I work with Avid sometimes. I've done some blogs for them. And um, uh, I just love it. I can't, like, I have, everyone's like, try Reaper. So I tried Reaper for a day. I was like, this is fucking terrible. And mm. Yeah. Same with it, Studio One. I was just like, what's the big deal here? This is terrible. <laughs> I know. I know. I guess if you're like, like the thing with Reaper is because it was free, I suppose it was a good, you know, entry point for a lot of users if, if you wanted to get into it. But it functions like it's free to me. It functions more like using like a PC desktop or something, the way that you can like highlight tracks and, you know, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't love that, uh, that approach to, to mixing. I like to be able to just treat it like it's a board in front of me. But Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know if it looks like Bruce has completely lost his internet. So oh, no. I'm so sorry about that. That's um, okay. Is, no worries. Usually Bruce does this thing where he asks random questions. So mm. this podcast, Bruce always bills it as like uh, Howard Stern meets Seinfeld about metal. Love it. So, Great. So we're usually much more, uh, you know, crazy. But since Bruce can't be here, I'll be I'll be calm. What's okay. what's what's one thing you want people to know about your band? Like just if if there was one thing that you could tell somebody about your band or your music what what would it be i i would say that we're all really great live performers that we're like we're all very strong musicians and that what you hear we're you're get we're going to be better live than on a recording that's like something i take a lot of pride in is that it's it's all um real performances in real time it's not with um any auto tune or any editing live it's and i'm barely backed at all on when i'm singing and everybody's playing really tight we're really strong as a live band that's really cool 
Yeah. From a mixed perspective, you can imagine too that having an array of, of speakers and subs and everything, you're going to get that whole breadth of frequency spectrum that you can't quite squeeze into a tiny mix on, on you <laughs> yeah. know, your headphones. So yeah, it's pretty, earbuds don't really match up. Yeah. I'm just, there's so much like inauthenticity in, especially I'd say pop music today. Like anyone can fake it and we are definitely not doing that. So we found each other because we are all really strong live musicians and that's why we're, that's why it works when we're performing. So I assume that you've taken a ton of, of classical voice lessons then. Yeah. So I did a lot of, I did two degrees in voice. Um, I went to Northwestern and uh, university of Toronto and then I sang all around the world and as an opera singer for a long time. And then, um, when I was switching into metal, I found that I was still singing classically and I didn't want, even though like, I know a lot of girl, a lot of women rather in the symphonic metal space sing that way. I didn't want to sing that way. I wanted to be more like a Lizzie Hale or like Tatiana. I mean, not with the growls, but just like sing with more power. So I contacted Melissa cross and she became my vocal coach and she took, she put a lot more heat into my vocals. She helped me, you know, sing live in a way that wasn't really classical, but was still singing in a healthy way. So she's kind of been my guru through this whole, you know, transition. Well, it's so important to sing healthy. Uh, I, yeah. a lot of, a lot of people don't think about that. You know, we talked no. with um, the singer from a Legion a few weeks back and he, he's actually a vocal teacher. And, and oh, okay. so he gave me a vocal lesson on screaming, which was really cool. Cause like Bruce asked him, how do you do this every day without hurting your voice? He's like, it doesn't hurt at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, you meet a lot of like older metal musicians that mm-hmm. have been doing that forever and their voice is just, ah, they're just, they're just messed up. Well, exactly. Yeah. I think so. like there's that famous Tom Waits story about how like he would just scream into a pillow all the time and that's how he got the growl in his voice. And now that's just what his voice is like. Yeah, so, exactly. It's just destroyed. Cool. Well, I guess I can wrap this up. Is there anything else you guys want us to know about Tulip? Well, Stay tuned. Yeah, we've got the, our socials. the full length coming out. We're not entirely sure how we're going to release it just yet, whether it's going to be self-released or through a label, but that should happen within the next couple months, hopefully uh, first quarter of 2020. Yeah. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye on our, our, our website, which is wearetulip.com for our uh, tour dates. And same on Instagram, wearetulip. Um, that's where we post most of our yeah. real-time content. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. This is Ashley from Tulip, and you're listening to Limited.
Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate your time and, and we'll uh, hopefully see you in Virginia sometime. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.